This is Challenge Extended, the adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Disabled Sports USA. I'm your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Challenge Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Challenge Extended provides an opportunity to share the personal stories of our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. My guest today is Tyler Carter, or TC as his friends call him. TC is a two-time Paralympian and member of the United States Paralympic Alpine Ski Team. He lost his right leg below the knee at the age of one due to a congenital condition. Thanks to a combined effort from the Pennsylvania Center for Adaptive Sports and the National Sports Center for the Disabled, Tyler fell in love with skiing and quickly moved up in the standings. He represented Team USA at the 2014 Paralympic Games in Sochi, Russia, and the 2018 Pyeongchang Games. TC serves as an ambassador for True Sport, one of Disabled Sports USA's partner organizations that focus on promoting a positive youth sports experience through sportsmanship, character building, and healthy performance. Tyler, thanks for being my guest today. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. So, uh, obviously, you've had a opportunity to be at two Paralympic Games. Um, before we get into you know what those experiences and um, you know what you're up to now, let's talk a bit about you know your engagement in sports as a child in terms of growing up and, and how you were involved in sports and uh, and then in terms of ultimately what how your disability played into that as well. Yeah, definitely. So I'm from Pennsylvania originally, so a small town there back east, uh, living in Colorado now, which I absolutely love it out here. It's definitely the place to be, especially if you're like to be active like myself. I, uh, so I am, I do have a disability, was born without my fibula in my right leg. So I'm a below the knee amputee. And for me, uh, just growing up with that, I always tried to be active. My parents really pushed that on me. They just didn't want me sitting around the house, which, you know, then again, what parent wants their kids sitting around the house, (laughs) um, but really just trying to find ways to have fun to, and just live a normal life. You know, I didn't want to let my, uh, disability, uh, uh, limit me in any way or, or let it stop me from pursuing what my dreams are. And I found skiing at an early age, but that wasn't the only thing I did. I skateboarded for many years. I even danced, which if you asked me in school, I would never admit that. But <laughs> nowadays I, I'm not embarrassed by that. So I, I danced for 10 years. I played tennis in high school, uh, played basketball for a couple of years, did a little bit of swimming, not too seriously. I didn't really uh, float very well. I just kind of sank to the bottom. But um, skiing was really the one that stuck with me and started that when I was eight. And it really has grown from there. And it's really what drew me out here to Colorado. So what was your whole mountain in Pennsylvania? <laughs> this, uh, well, they call it a mountain. I call it a hill, but uh, <laughs> it's a Camelback Resort. It's in the Poconos, Tannersville, PA. Uh, amazing adaptive program there, Pennsylvania Center for Adapted Sports. They are just really some of the most incredible people. I mean, all, all the adaptive programs, all the different chapters of uh, Disabled Sports USA and uh, the Paralympic Sport Pro- Clubs out there, they really do make a difference in people's lives, everyday lives. You know, you don't have to be pursuing it to the Paralympic level, but just being active and getting participants out there in sport. It's really amazing. And I was just extremely lucky to have this awesome program uh, support me from the beginning. And they really just uh, opened skiing up to me and there was no, you know, limitations with them. It was, it was only, how can we get you out there? How can we get you going faster? How can we make this more fun? That was all that it was about. And I'm just lucky to have some of the most amazing staff and instructors that really uh, played a role in my love of skiing. And when did you realize that you wanted to uh, pursue this, you know, at the competitive level? 
Yeah, I mean, going to a competitive level, that did not happen for a while. For me, the longest time, skiing was just something fun to do. I, I love to joke that my first ski race, uh, I, I don't know if I can call it an official ski race, but it was at this camp when I was eight, and uh, I got second place because I wouldn't go around any of the gates. I just went straight down the hill. Maybe that should have been a sign back then, but uh, we didn't we didn't heed that at the time. Uh, but for me, the, the dream really sparked in uh, 2010 when I got a scholarship to go watch the Vancouver Games. Now I'd been racing before that, and I'd come out in, to Colorado and train with my my home program in Winter Park, the National Sports Center for the, the Disabled, many years before that. But I wasn't really serious about it. It was a way for me to, as I like to say, take educational field trips from school to go to. Colorado and ski, which uh, I thought was pretty cool, but uh, I wouldn't say they were very educational, but I did learn a lot about skiing. But anyway, besides that, uh, I got the scholarship to go to Vancouver and I got to see friends, teammates, uh, people I looked up to out there representing not just our country, but the entire world at the biggest stage you could imagine. And seeing that, seeing the opening ceremonies, that's when the spark ignited. And I was like, okay, I want to do this. I want to be a part of this journey, this legacy, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen. And uh, somehow, four years later, that that did happen. My my dream came true, and it w- wasn't an easy four years, but it uh, it's still something I have to pinch myself because I'm just some kid from Pennsylvania with you know one and a half legs and fell in love with skiing, and it's uh, it's been a pretty cool journey. So when you caught that fire in Vancouver, and you talked about that four year period. What did you do um, in, in terms of once you made that decision that this is what I want to do, what kind of actions or steps did you take? Yeah, I mean, that changed the scope. That changed everything for me. As I, as I kind of mentioned, it went from being a hobby to being my life. Every decision I made was how is that going to get me on the team? How is that going to get me to my end goal of making it to the Paralympics? And, you know, that meant from nutrition to food to, you know, if I'm going out with friends or am I going to the gym? Am I going to Colorado to ski or, you know, are we going on a family vacation? You know, those were the kind of things we looked at. And I took a really hard stance in saying, I have to do everything in my power to make this happen. And I don't want to look back with any regrets. So everything I did uh, had purpose and was to get to this goal. And as soon as I got out of high school, I moved spent the winters out in Colorado. I didn't move out fully for a few years after that, but I would go out for the entire winter, spend that uh, in winter park and train full time. And that meant my summer, I had to figure out how I could, you know, afford to do this and and, and put all my ducks in in order. But that was really the commitment I I took. And anyone that wants to really get to this level, they'll probably say the same thing. It it really takes a a high level of commitment and the journey's fun, but it's definitely not one for the the faint of heart. And, and so obviously there's some sacrifice involved. Are, are, are there regrets in terms of that sacrifice? Are there things that you feel like you missed out on? There's absolutely no regrets. Uh, there's definitely times where I, I do wish I could go back and maybe change how I how I did stuff or how I, you know, maybe like I could have done it differently. But honestly, there's no regrets. It's it's all been a learning experience, even the the failures, the wrongs, the, the times that I, I messed up, you know, not that 
I don't think it happened too often, but you know, there's always mess ups and, um, even those, it was all part of the building experience. So definitely no regrets. And, you know, it is a sacrifice, but I also like to think, you know, what are you really sacrificing? You're sacrificing some things, but you're really gaining others. So are you really sacrificing? You're just rechanging your priorities. And that, and to me, that's what it came down to. You know, a, a lot of people say, say it's a sacrifice and absolutely, you know, my family, we, it, it was a, it was a challenge. We really had to reprioritize, but at the end of the day, that's really what it came down to. You know, this is my goal. This is what I wanted to do. And I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen because this is what mean, what is important to me. This is what I care about. And so what did, what did you do during those summers um, in order to be able to, to uh, be able to fulfill your, your, your pursuit during the winter? Yeah, I uh, worked a lot of odd jobs. Um, I uh, worked at some retail stores, uh, eventually graduated to the electronic department of that. So that was, uh, that was exciting times dealing with people, especially on uh, Black Fridays. I don't recommend it ever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I worked at a grocery store for, for a little bit of time as well in the dairy section, which surprisingly enough, counted as my training because I was carrying heavy milk crates all around the, the grocery store. So uh, really just doing everything I could and um, just, you know, anytime my parents needed something, I was like, if I was home and it was my off season, I was there for them because I know they were doing a lot for me and I couldn't have gone it gone this far without them. They really uh, helped this, helped me get to this uh part of my journey. I really, they, they never said no and not, not never saying no as in like, Hey, can I go out and play with friends or can I buy this at the store? Or can you get me this? No, they said no to that all the time. But it was in terms of my dreams. When I told them I had this idea, this goal, mm-hmm. they didn't say no. They didn't look at me like shocked or weird. They said, okay, well, how are we going to make this happen? And that was, that was the plan we took and they've always been behind me. And I, I mean, you can't do it without a support base like that. I'm just really lucky that I have that. And uh, so when did you move out full time, basically to Colorado? Yeah, so we're, uh, let's see, uh, it's about two years now that I've been out here full time. So I've been coming out here for the winters for almost seven or eight years. So I've, I've and my first time in Colorado was 10. So I've really been coming out here for a long mm-hmm. time, but uh, two, over, a little over two years now officially, and I absolutely love it. I mean, it's it's just a great place to be. Um, I, I spend my time, in, a lot of my time in Colorado Springs, but I also go up to Winter Park or just other areas because really Colorado is sorry my favorite state <laughs> you can't go wrong and <laughs> any pretty favorite place in Colorado if you want to, want to ski right <laughs> yeah and, and that's the, I mean that's the beauty though it's not just skiing right you know in the summer there's mountain biking there's hiking there's something for everyone and of course you know you have skiing and snowboarding if you like that sort of thing uh in the winter no it's it's okay as long as you're sliding down the hill really it's okay I'm there we, we, we're, we're all good skiers and snowboarders just we we all know skiers are better that's true. That's true. <laughs> Although I, I've interviewed somebody else that might say the opposite. So, you know, um, so uh, during the first uh, yeah, first Paralympic Games and you were still doing that kind of commuting back and forth and working just the winters back training here in the winters. Then. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, that. Uh, it, it, I still look back and I, I can't believe I made the team, honestly, like with how, how many years have passed now and how far I've come, I'm like, wow, I really was on the team then. <laughs> like, <laughs> oof, uh, I, I did have a nickname when we were over there, which, uh, I, I haven't shared this too much. So this may be like a wide open experience for some people, but, uh, they called me skinny because I was really tiny, like not short, but my, like, I didn't have a lot of muscle on me. Mm-hmm. And I look back at those photos and I'm like, oh my goodness, what was going on was I not eating 
I mean, I love ice cream. Did I skip ice cream day or something? I mean, I, I don't know what was going on, but I, I can't believe that I fit in my suit. Not in terms of like I, I could barely get in, but like that it didn't fall off me. Um, but I just looked back and it was a, a, an incredible opportunity to go there at that time. It really gave me a good perspective on what it takes to be an elite athlete and how to get to that top level. But I, I definitely felt um, a little underprepared just because I walked on the team. I was not on the national team at that point. So I, mm-hmm. I really walked on to the Paramount big team found out two weeks before the games that I was going or a couple weeks that you know it's been a while but it's mm-hmm. two or three weeks and uh it just it still is an amazing experience in my mind I mean I still get excited and goosebumps when I think about it I was going to ask you know Louis, I was going to ask you about your first experience uh, what was it like yeah, it just, I, I mean, it, it was a whirlwind. It, it's still like, I, I still, even, you know, this many years after, you know, try to process it because it, some of it, I, I can't, I just feelings, it's emotions. I always like to say opening ceremony is one of my fondest memories and it's burned in my mind and I, I'll never forget it. And that we were waiting and waiting to walk in and we're in our beautiful Ralph Lauren, Team USA, red, white, and blue outfits. And we're just getting ready and you can feel the energy of the crowd you can hear the excitement the roar it's like there's an electric you know energy going through the stadium and halfway through they start bringing athletes out and we make our way to this big doorway and we get in there and uh, you can't see anything but this you know really this light coming in but you can hear the crowd Mm -hmm. and then you hear united states of america and we come out behind the usa flag to the sold out crowd from all around the world and they're going nuts at us coming in here and I'm just like wow this is it like this is really like I made it I'm here and at that point it wasn't just for me it wasn't just for my family but it was for everyone everyone that helped me on this journey every person that played a role you know that that was for them and I think a big thing about the Olympics and Paralympics that sometimes get you know overlooked or forgotten is we all want to win medals. I mean, that's the goal. That's that's what the idea. That's why we work so hard and train for it. But at the end of the day, the games really are about bringing everyone together. You're bringing every country that's competing. They're putting aside almost every difference except for the spirit of sport and competition. And of course, there's always exceptions, and there's people that try to try to fight that, and it you know it can get messy. But really, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. That's what it stands for. The medals are really awesome, and I that's what I want. I mean, I dream about it every night. But really, it's about bringing people together and representing the entire world. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the power of the games. So obviously, um, you said yourself that you, it was a part of a, a surprise to, to make the team that year. Um, what were your expectations, and, and how did how did you fulfill those expectations, if any? In all honesty, I, I really had no expectations. Once I found out I made the team for me, that was like winning the lottery. I, I was just really happy to be going, and and that. I'm sure that's weird to hear or, or to, you know, for me to even say as an athlete, one that's striving to be the best, but honestly, I just wanted to go in and do the best I could. Um, you know, n- knowing that the training I put in, it would at least give me a shot to, to be in the middle of the pack. And that was the idea. That's, that was the goal to just try to try to put up a respectable result, but really just make it a good experience. Cause I knew going into Pyeongchang, South Korea, uh, in 2018, that that would be a more serious games for me. That I would have to, I would have more preparation, more time. I would have had a games already under my belt. So that was an opportunity for me to take it to another level. For for Sochi, it really was about enjoying the experience, doing my best, but really just soaking it all in. Okay, and so um, 
What did you do differently between your first Paralympics and your second Paralympics? Obviously, you were continuing your training, but, but were, there, um, were there certain steps that you took uh, to kind of change, um, change from one, one games to the second, second games that you went to? I mean, training really did kick up a notch. I, I thought I was training pretty well before Sochi, and, and we, we found a way to, to turn that up uh, definitely a few notches. I think gym work uh, was really the big difference. And um, as I was joking with my, my nickname, Skinny, um, you know, that um, kind of that changed. Uh, uh, in, in Pyeongchang, it definitely was a, a little bit bigger uh, and, and, and in muscle. Um, and still, there's always ways to go, and I'm, I'm trying to improve upon that currently. But uh, that was one of the big things, just taking my dry land training to a different level. It's not that I never did it before, but really I just wasn't doing it with a proper focus. And I was able to kind of re redefine, hone in on that focus, work with some amazing staff, um, you know, through Team USA, but also through other, you know, sources and just had some people that, you know, got me in a much better uh, spot physically and mentally pre to prepare for it. And, um, and talk about... Like what kind of land training have you, I mean, I know you do a lot of gym work, as you mentioned, but yeah. kind of specifically, what do you focus on? And, and I know you've reached some amazing uh, uh, lifts and accomplishments in that regard. So talk a little bit about, I guess, your regimen, if you will. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, especially right now, some of the stuff I'm doing, I kind of look at it and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like that is a uh, pretty insane, <laughs> but, uh, it's fun. I, I really have the mentality, the philosophy that I need to push myself as hard as I can. And I do that on the ski hill, but when I'm not there, when we're in our off season and there's less time on snow, I got to find a way to keep doing that. And the gym is where, where I, I find that it's, it's kind of my home base. It really, uh, it doesn't matter where you go, what state, what country, a gym's a gym lifting weights is lifting weights and and for me that's uh, a little bit of a therapy in a way I go in there I tune everything else out except for what my plan is and what I'm doing and specifically on that uh, you know obviously lifting is a big part of it I've uh, had a, some really good trainers to help me this past off season. And we've gotten myself to a, a, a really strong physical point, one that, that I, I really didn't imagine I could be at, uh, pulling some pretty heavy weights, having a, a really good deadlift, uh, having some, some good work with squats and not just like squatting weight, but good tempos, good, you know, strategy with that. We're not just going in without a focus, but we have a plan every day we're in there. And that's, that's really, really an important part. And of course, the more fun component of all of this is my circuits that I'm getting known for that I, I do post periodically on, on my Instagram account. And, uh, they're, they're pretty exciting. And basically the idea is that if I'm not on the snow, how can I simulate that in the gym without, you know, those fancy ski machines? And what I do is I'll set up uh, obstacle courses with bozu balls, agility ladders, hurdles to jump or crawl under, and really just make these insane things that I have to go through six to 12 times and really just push myself to the boundaries of how much can, can I endure? How, how's my balance? How's my agility? You know, can I hop over this massive box? You know, just all these different things. I, I just try to push it in there and it, it makes for a fun time. Sometimes they don't work, but sometimes they do. And, and I think that's just part of it being creative, push yourself and for me I love it I enjoy it and that's a huge part if you're not having fun what, what's the point of it and so as an elite athlete have you I assume you've pushed yourself too far sometimes and can you can you talk about you know the downsides of that and then maybe even more so uh, how you know whether you push yourself uh, beyond you know the limit if you will 
Yep. Uh, pushing yourself uh, does have its drawbacks. Um, you know, skiing re- really, I mean, uh, like over pushing yourself is that your training is going to get sloppy. I mean, there's a, there's a risk of injury with that, of course, but, but really it's just, you, you know, you're not putting a good amount of energy in. Um, it can get, you know, risky of course, but uh, that that's kind of the side of it. But in the gym, if you're overdoing it, that can really lead to some, some nasty stuff. And a few summer, a couple summers ago, I guess it was, I was uh, squatting and I was just, I, I wasn't as focused as I was now. I mean, I had a good plan, but it, it was a little, was a little ragged and I was just kind of overdoing it a little bit. And I, I had a little back injury and it, I mean, it wasn't at the end of the day, it wasn't that serious, but it did take me uh, a little over a week, a week and a half to get back from it. And it took me even longer to be back to what I was lifting before that. And, um, you know, I didn't really get it assessed properly. You know, I don't know if that would have made any difference or not. I was maybe a little more naive back then, but it, it really was an eye opening experience. So from now on, I'm, I'm much more careful, even when I'm going to pursue some pretty high lifts, like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of known for a 400 pound deadlift now, which we're, we're always trying to work on, but that, that was a, a pretty cool experience. But even with that, we're, we're trying to be smart about it. We're trying to uh, take it, you know, do an adequate warm up. If you're not feeling it, you don't do it that day. It's just really trying to be strategic about it. Um, I love pushing myself. So sometimes I need someone to rein me in a little bit. And we, we, so we talked a little bit about, you know, Pyeongchang in, in 18, um, going into that game, what was your expectation and, and how did you do, you know, and, and even just in terms of the competitive field that that um, that we're in, in terms of alpine adopted alpine skiing. Yeah, uh, Pyeongchang. That's uh, that's always one that I have a little asterisk next to, uh, which which you know we'll, we'll we'll get into. But for me. Um, Sochi was a much better experience result wise. I guess technically I did better in Pyeongchang, but really Pyeongchang just wasn't, uh, things didn't, didn't fire up as I thought it would. And, and kind of giving the backstory of that, I felt really, really well prepared, not maybe not top 10, but top 15. I thought like that, that there would be a possibility of that. Um, if I really threw down like some amazing runs at that point, I was a little behind in world standings, but I, I was like, you know what, you're, you're having, you had some good training. You had a good preparation period. You feel good. You had this experience before, so you're not going to be blown up with the, you know, all the hoopla of the games. So I was like, all right, well, let's, let's see what we can do. And for me, I, it just like things fell apart half halfway in. Uh, one of one of the you know hardest things for me was my grandmother passed away while I was over there, and that happened four four days or so, maybe five days before my first race. And I knew she wasn't doing well, and and it wasn't like I, I can't say it came as a surprise, but um, it just it, it did just hit me, and it. it did take a lot of wind out of my sail and I was able to come back. I was able to really refocus and I had an amazing support team there. I really couldn't have done it without, without our team USA staff, but, um, went into my giant solemn race, uh, which is my fit was my favorite event at that time. Still one of my favorite events, but I was feeling really good about it. I had a, a pretty solid first run. I did make mistakes. So I, I was a little further back than I would have liked, uh, just, just in a top 20 or outside top 20, I believe. And I was like, all right, you know, this next run, we're going to go for it. You're going to clean things up and we're going to, you know, put one up there for, for G mom. And it, uh, I was four gates in and I hit a rut and it just rocketed me and I slid down like 
a good chunk of the course on my face. And, and there's a, there's a photo of me that someone took that I'm just laying in the snow skis behind me, just looking up at the camera, snow on my face, like what just happened? And, uh, there's another photo then that's about 30 seconds later of me over with one of my coaches with my head down, his hand on me. Like I was probably crying at that point. I, I don't know. I kind of tuned a lot of that out of my mind, but that was just, I never, never in my mind, I, thought that I wouldn't finish, you know, just didn't even come across. Like I was like, I'm going to cross that finish line. It just, it, it wasn't in my, my philosophy, my mindset. So having that happen was a real, uh, just heartbreaking experience. And then, uh, two days later we have the slalom, which is my least favorite event of an event. I don't really do anymore just because it, it, it has, uh, we don't get along. It's a, it's definitely a hate, hate relationship. There's no love in there. And, um, uh, with that, I, I, I was able to put two runs down. It was not pretty. I, I, I will not watch that those runs because I just I cringe when I see it. But I put two runs down in some conditions that a lot of people had trouble with. We had a lot of not finishes, and I finished I guess nineteenth uh, out of the field. And uh, it, it's all right, you know. People say that's respectable, but honestly, for me, that was really disappointing. It just wasn't what I was expecting out of that games. And and sure, I was able to put one down and raise my hand in the sky for. Uh, my grandmother, but really it just was, was a, a heartbreaking experience. And I just honestly couldn't wait to get home from there. So is, uh, 2022 in the cards for you? <laughs> 2022 is definitely in the cards. Uh, there, there's, uh, uh, there was some time this summer where not that I wasn't going to do it, but I just had to have some thought into, uh, what my plans were, but absolutely that is the plan. That is the focus. I am energized. I am ready. Well, not quite yet ready, but we're, we're getting ready. We have time. So, you know, it's not like I need to rush into it, but really I am, I'm very excited. I, I, uh, Last season was a rough year for me. I had a, I, I went through some trials. I, I had stuff going on personal life, ski life, like just everything kind of hit the fan. So I took the summer to really reset to find out, you know, what were my priorities? What, what did I want? What do I want to accomplish this and and refine the fun in the sport? Because to me, that that is at the end of the day the most important thing. You know, I want a medal, but uh, the, the fun is is what keeps it coming. And we found it, and uh, I'm energized, and it's just it, it's going to be a good couple of years. I feel it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to be a good few years. I just, I, I see it coming. <laughs> I know so many athlete, elite athletes in, in the adaptive sports field uh, give back, and you mm-hmm. have given back a lot as well, including I know you go back. You mentioned the Pennsylvania Center for mm-hmm. Adaptive Sports. I know you go back. Maybe not. Is it every year? Every, yeah. every year I go back and, and run the same camp that I started at. And that's just amazing. So talk about what it means you know, to you to be able to do that and why it's important to <laughs> for you to you to do that look at the end of the day you know to be blunt doing this volunteer work doing the giving back which is probably one of the most important parts of my myself i mean it is part of my you know personal philosophy that uh you know those that help you that help you get to where you are you have to return the favor whether it's to that group or to another group you just really have to keep that ball rolling and i know at the end of the day some of these things i'm doing um you know they do affect my training i try to minimize that effect as much as possible and and i'm really lucky that the groups i work with are very understanding and allowing of me to shift things around but at the end of the day it is 
something that that could detract from it if you look at it that way. But to me, it energizes me. It's it's what motivates me, keeps me going. If I'm not doing this stuff, then I'm just being all selfish. And for me, that that's not why I'm in this. So yeah, going back to Pennsylvania with the Pennsylvania Center for Adapted Sports and and running this clinic, which usually is in February, uh, it's just for me it it brings so much joy. I'm, I'm helping a program that means so much to me. I'm helping the next generation. And at the end of the day, whether they become Paralympic athletes or they just want to be able to ski with their family, that's what we're looking to do. Whatever your goal is, whatever your dream is, that's what I want to help you accomplish. I do. I try to do a lot with the National Sports Center for the Disabled, which is my main club team that I train with. I help them when I can. Uh, Disabled Sports USA has been a huge part of my life and uh, just trying to do what I can to help them and give back um, a lot with with the U.S. Olympic Paralympic Committee out of the training center in Colorado Springs, uh, do, try to do a lot of work with them and their community relations team. For, for me, it's it's just uh, it's a no brainer. It's it's really what we need to keep the sports rolling, to keep the adaptive movement going, and just make the world a more positive place. And you know, the Sable Sports USA uh, in, the, in the past year have developed a partnership with True Sport, hmm. and I know that you are uh, a True Sport a- ambassador. Can you talk about, for those that may not be familiar with what True Sport is, what, what they do, can you talk about a little bit about what they do, and then, partic- and then after that, you know, what do you do as an ambassador uh, for that organization? Absolutely. I would love to. I say that as I'm wearing True Sport out the wazoo on myself at this current moment in time. But uh, I, I'm I'm so happy and, and lucky that they reached out to me. And I, I feel like they, they probably say the same about me accepting it, or at least that's what, what they've told me. But um, really, True Sport is an amazing group. They work under USADA, which USADA kind of gets the, the bad name. They're the bad guys in sport because they're always drug testing us. And uh, But really, at the end of the day, we, we want clean sport, right? That's, that's the whole idea. So that's why USADA exists. And True Sport works under them to promote good values like good nutrition, hydration, uh, doing sport cleanly, you know, having all these great values, making sure that, you know, what we're doing, we're doing it for the right reasons. And we're working with youth, we're working with athletes, coaches, mm-hmm. schools across the country to promote all these different values of, you know, grit and perseverance, goal setting, and really just trying to make a positive impact on the world. And I am so, so happy that I get to work with them. I've been lucky to work with a amazing you know number of nonprofits over the years but true sport really has drawn drawn my it, you know a lot of my attention and, and has my heart uh, they really stand for everything I stand for which is you know to go out and to you know try to eat well eat clean to you know make sure you're, you're taking care of your body and you're living healthy active lifestyles that's really at the end of the day what I want all of us to be able to do and uh, true sport gives me this opportunity to do it and I'm just I'm so grateful that I get to wake up every morning and work with an organization and other organizations that are just so incredible like them. Yeah, True Sport, uh, like you said, obviously focuses on, on clean sport, but they really uh, promote you know, many other positive elements uh, and char- characteristics that sport should be about, mm-hmm. including you know, leadership. And uh, you know, they focus on things like bullying and, and, and making sure that um, parents and coaches are mindful of what sports should be about as well. So it's a great organization if you're not familiar with them to check them out. You mentioned your work with the United States uh, Olympic and Paralympic Committee. You know, I know that if folks go to Colorado Springs, they might be able to see you. Can you talk about your, hey. your role there? Yeah, you know, if you uh, come to Colorado Springs and you want to visit the USOPC, as we like to call it, or U.S. Olympic Paralympic uh, Training Center, uh, you might see 
me uh, giving tours uh, every once in a while. I do that. It's kind of a day job for me. Uh, some day, some days or weeks or months, depending, you know, what, what what time of the year it is. I'll be doing it more than others. But for me, uh, sure, obviously it's income. It's a way to support myself, but really it's a way to share a place that I I know and love to to others. Uh, I spent some time living on campus there. I work out of there now, live in the area, but really it's it's home to me. My my first time there, I was ten for this Paralympic experience program, just some, you know, kind of snot nosed kid there who thought he knew it all, uh, causing terror around the facility. Surprised they let me come back, but, um, you know, went from there to being able to call it my home. And it's just, it's an amazing place. You know, we have, uh, such elite level athletes training there and it's Olympic, it's Paralympic, it's winter sports, summer sports. We have it all. So you can come, you can take a tour, you can visit it. I'll show you, you know, we'll show you around, but really it's the home of so many elite athletes that are pursuing their goals and dreams. And I mean, isn't that what we're all trying to do? We just want to find what we love and kind of stick with it. And for, for, you know, athletes, we don't really make money out of this. So having a facility like that, where we can come and call it our home, it's a really special privilege. Uh, my, my final question for you is just maybe to talk about how the, the field of adaptive sports has changed. I mean, there is just, there's so much going on in this, so much exciting things going on in this field. From your perspective, how has it changed? Yes, adaptive sports has changed so much over the years. I mean, when I first started, the just look at the technology in the uh, prosthetics, you know, my, my ski prosthesis or the mono skis, just seeing how they've changed over the years. I mean, just that side of things, it's pretty incredible how, how the advances in technology and production really have allowed sports and athletes to do some incredible things. And, you know, we're, we're always pushing the bar each, each year we, you know, that we have a games and each world championships, the bar is getting raised higher and higher. We're having more talent coming out of the woodwork you know, schools and, and clubs and, you know, uh, disabled sports, uh, USA chapters are really just finding these, these talented athletes and bringing them into the field. And it's just, it's, it's a great thing. You know, we want the bar set high, you want competition out there. You don't want to just, you know, get on the podium and just, just be you up there. You, you want to fight for it and earn for it, or, or at least that that's what I want. And it's just so cool seeing this happen. I mean, we're, you know, you want to be in it for the right reasons, some, you know, and, and that's what you hope. But really, at the end of the day, uh, raising that bar and showing that we're, we're forced to be reckoned with is pretty cool. I mean, you know, in, in the Paralympics, you know, we all have a disability, a uh, visual impairment or a physical disability. Uh, but really, uh, that doesn't define us. What defines us is us going out and trying to be the best in the world. I mean, that's what it's about. Forget if you have two legs or one leg or you're in a wheelchair or you can't see, that doesn't matter. You going out and throwing yourself down a ski hill or doing a triathlon or swimming uh, 200 meters in the pool, which uh, Sean, let me tell you, that's really hard. I tried it this summer. It did not go well. It's probably because of all the ice cream I eat, but uh, do, doing all those things. I mean, that's what it's about. Who cares You know what else you have going on? It's all about about going out and just doing some some fun athletic endeavors. Well, Tyler, thank you very much for being my guest. You're an amazing athlete, an amazing ambassador for not only the sport of alpine skiing, but also just the depth of sports. So thank you very much. Sean, it was an absolute pleasure. And if anyone uh, wants to check out my crazy Instagram workouts, it's uh, at TC Ski USA. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Sean.